Welcome to Plant Stories. The modern, the old, and the crazy in between. Myth or fact? Palo Santo comes from the same family as other aromatic trees, such as the frankincense and myrrh tree. That one's a fact. Everybody's related. And that brings us into today's episode, Palo Santo, Better Off Dead. Palo Santo. <laughs> yeah, so Palo Santo, the aromatic wood that you will probably see it in, little sticks, uh, comes from the Palo Santo tree, a.k.a. the Bursera Gravolens, which means bag full of oil. And it's native to like Peru, Ecuador, and some other kind of coastal-ish South American countries, as well as some areas in Mexico, kind of on the Yucatan Peninsula. Um, it comes from the Berseraceae family or the Copal family, which, like Krista said, contains other re- aromatic trees like frankincense tree and the myrrh tree. And, Great sense. Yeah, they they're honestly. They're all pretty good scents. And as we may or may not have learned by now, I'm a pretty big fan of trees specifically. So, <laughs> um, Palo Santo directly translated means holy stick, um, which is something I personally didn't know, although it totally makes sense now that I looked it up. I was and- close. I thought it meant saint of something. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's too incredibly far off. Uh, The tree itself is said to grow on average between like 4 and 10 meters. And so that's like 15 to 35 feet tall. Although I weirdly found like a couple of sources that said they can grow up to 65 feet tall. I don't know if that's true because I've never seen one, but the 15 to 35 feet kind of seemed more average than that so um they're not necessarily like huge towering trees if you you know kind of look at them they seem to be like more like low but very uh spread out kind of trees and the trees have yellow flowers and the bark doesn't peel and so one of the kind of Uh, defining features of the tree is that it has this like silvery white color but that's actually not the color of the bark of the tree it's the color of this lichen that tends to grow on the outside of the tree and so it gives it that kind of silvery white tone to it that is very cool yeah you know symbiotic relationships yeah So the Palo Santo trees usually actually grow in groups because there are, in fact, male and female trees. And kind of the average ratio of males to females is one male to about eight females. And a big part of the reason that this occurs is because male trees live a lot longer. So male trees can live up to like 200 years. And... The female trees usually only live between 40 and 50 years. And so it's this really stark difference that usually means 
what's being harvested is the female trees. And so oftentimes they're even a little different in their wood. The female trees have that kind of traditional like yellowish wood color, whereas the males have kind of a white wood color. And an important thing to really note about the harvesting of the wood from these trees is that if you were to just chop down this tree to try to make it into this incense, that would actually not work because the tree itself isn't necessarily fragrant. The only time the wood gets fragrant in these trees is that the wood dies a natural death and then there's actually a resin produced from that death that kind of ages a little bit and then when you go to harvest this dead wood by you know picking it up from these areas where these trees exist those ones are the ones that are actually fragrant those pieces of wood and so for this reason old wild wood is considered the highest quality And it's also what makes this process really very sustainable because to get genuine Palo Santo wood, you know, it has to be from a dead wild tree, essentially. Um, That doesn't mean that people don't try. The scent is kind of described as this like citrus woody mint scent. Um, But to get that, like, authentically, it does have to, you know, come from these dead trees. So when you harvest this wood, if you're doing it properly, you're not actually, like, taking from the tree at all. You're not hurting it at all. And typically these branches are harvested in June through January from forest floors. And, I mean, this makes sense also, and it also makes sense that you would be harvesting from females because 40 to 50 years is really very short in the span of trees. Most trees live longer than that. So it makes a lot of sense to me that that would be the wood that was kind of picked up. So do you know if this is like a normal tree thing? Like do trees normally produce a resin after they fall no this is definitely something that's unique to palo santo trees Uh, that's not to say that no tree uh you know goes through a process once uh branches and things like that have fallen from the tree but certainly to get these like specific compounds and stuff that would make this tree uh something desirable like having these scents you know getting these oils from this you know resin that process is unique to this tree and so the plant you know it's often burned as like an incest stick or it's just the resin is distilled into an essential oil and the essential oils are used for things so that's most of the time how you will find Palo Santo uh, packaged for sale.
probably how you've heard of Palo Santo is more it's either scent or kind of use in spiritual practice similar to white sage. It's a very popular thing to be burned for smudging. Uh, it's popular because it has a really like sweet kind of scent to it. People really like that. You know, most often people enjoy burning the actual wood or putting it in things like soaps or candles. But the history of the wood's use in the spiritual culture, especially of Peruvians, dates back over 500 years to old Incan traditions where it was often used ceremonially and ritually in areas throughout the Amazon. So a lot of healers and shamans of South America believe that Palo Santo has a strong spirit, which is most apparent because their spirit continues on after death. So that unique trait that makes this, uh, you know, scented wood so special, they kind of believe means it has a really strong spirit that just, you know, only gets better with age after death. And therefore, it needs to be treated with care. And in return, you're, you will restore your spiritual and physical well-being by, you know, taking care of these plants and getting this gift of this wood. And so it's also the reason that for harvesting, you never want to cut down the tree. You only want to collect uh, these pieces of wood that had been gifted. And I'm sure you can imagine that that also creates a space for supply and demand uh, as this has become more popular over the years, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But oftentimes, like I said, to similarly to smudging, to white sage, to purify spaces and rid them of negative energies. Some shamanic lore states that when the smoke from the Palo Santo enters our personal energy field, the spirit of the tree is able to cast out negative energy. And that can include negative thoughts, uh, evil spirits, and, you know, therefore you're kind of restoring the peace and balance to your life. So also in these kind of like traditional medicines, Palo Santo has been used to treat ailments relating to like the common cold, flu, asthma, and then things like headaches, stress, anxiety, and even emotional pain. Just because it is kind of a leave to ward off all those bad things. And one of its other popular uses is really as an insect repellent because of the high number of mosquitoes and other bugs in that area. Burning this, the smoke, seems to repel bugs, thankfully. Because I can't even imagine what kind of bugs are in the Amazon. <laughs> or anywhere near that area. So where this grows is actually considered like a dry tropical forest, not a wet tropical forest like the rainforest. And much like white sage, Palo Santo is often in danger of being overharvested and destroying natural parts of its native ecosystem. So even though we know that this scent 
is not produced unless the wood has been, you know, dyed naturally and harvested that way. There are a lot of places that will actually cut down the trees and then essentially soak the wood in other essential oils to, or fake scents to replicate the scent of Palo Santo and sell it that way. And this has especially become a thing because of how expensive Palo Santo can be, because as you can imagine, what you get from a harvest of, you know, the trees dying can kind of be a crapshoot. You know, one year you could get a lot, the next year you could get a little. And as, you know, word of this plant has spread throughout the world, you know, there's more of a demand for it, making the real stuff more expensive. And that can be something that means there's kind of a market for a cheaper version. And so it's bad because it essentially just destroys native plants. And so there are a lot of efforts that attempt to farm locally and sustainably by having local people uh, take these and collect these branches and then also at the same time have kind of movements to make sure new trees are being planted while these, you know, other trees are being harvested in an effort to kind of make sure that the tree continues on. So the plant is protected in many of its native countries. Most native countries uh, that have this tree do have a lot of laws against chopping them down and things like that. Uh, obviously, that doesn't stop people from trying to do stuff to sell it on the black market or, you know, chop down unregulated trees or whatever. But uh, it's also important to note, I think, that this specific plant is not on the endangered species list. So there's a similar plant. It's actually called Bonesia sarmientoi. Maybe I got that right. Who knows? Um and it is on the endangered species list. It's it's kind of a similar plant. It's also called the holy stick. I, I can't couldn't tell really if it's actually also called Palo Santo, but it's not the same plant as the one we're talking about. Um, but this plant is considered one that without careful regulation could easily become endangered. And it's also in danger because its habitat is threatened, being that it's part of dry tropical forests. And so it's believed that there's only about 5 to 10% of dry tropical forests really left in the world. And this is primarily because they're the ones that are more hospitable to human activity. So, you know, chopping through the rainforest can be, I'm sure, a very trying task. <laughs> Mm -hmm. not, not something I would ever want to attempt to do for a number of reasons, but it can be difficult. And so dry tropical forests tend to be much more inhabitable to humans. And we kind of slowly move that stuff out of the way to make space for ourselves. And so in that way, you know, these trees are 
in danger because their habitat is always being threatened by this kind of like invasive human presence. And so that is why, again, they have these, you know, programs to try and make sure that we are continuously planting these trees. In a way, buying the wood can be good for these local communities as long as it's being harvested in this sustainable way. And it's a great way for some of these um, smaller kind of rural communities to, you know, have economic growth. Um, and so this is a plant where buying sustainably is extremely important if you do want to purchase it and almost in a way kind of helpful. Um, but of course, not knowing kind of the history of the plant does erase some of that cultural importance to it and so it's always kind of important to you know know where things come from obviously we've talked about it before but not knowing you know how important this plant is and where it comes from and why it might be expensive or why it needs to be harvested this way is one of the ways that we kind of promote the appropriation of it because it's essentially erasing that importance for something that we think smells good. And this plant is so much more than just a trendy scented plant. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. It's much uh, safer for the ecosystem incense to buy. Yeah. And I think, you know, most plants, I think, or a lot of plants that are native to certain areas, you know, have a history with that area that's closely tied to the people who live there. But it's, you know, not knowing these things, you know, this only grows in a certain part of the world, very similar to white sage. And so, like, when we just take what we want from it without really realizing the importance of it or when we want to buy a cheaper version of it because maybe we can't afford it and we you know still want it you have to understand what that does to all of these things to this native culture who's trying to use it for their own purposes you know to the environment where you're taking these things from and you know, understand how it creates this market for these kind of people to really take advantage of things for money. I think in a similar vein to like the concept of like fast fashion, this almost kind of feels like fast magic, like the sensationalism of it, it becomes so broad and international and from what I can tell, it's probably mostly America who's like, I gotta buy this thing to try it because I'm trying to explore different realms of spirituality. But like, you know, they're trying to do it fast instead of traditional, which takes away, kind of like with the sage, it takes away a lot of like what energy is supposed to be built up behind it. Exactly. And I think this one has a little bit different of a spiritual meaning to it 
obviously even to these people you know these are two totally different cultures but what your intentions are for using something always matters if you're going to talk about using something spiritually anyway um but i do think there are a certain group of people anywhere really in the world who might know they want to explore something spiritually but not understand how that relates to exploring the history of where that thing comes from you know everybody wants a quick fix that's kind of the world we live in now but there's also something to be said for you know understanding where those things come from if you do want to like spiritually feel better like i can't spiritually feel better if I know that something that I'm using, you know, takes advantage of another population. It's mm-hmm. like not like spiritually healing for me. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah. My mini tip for this is I do think compared to this, this can actually be a good thing to buy if you're doing it the right way i mean i said last time you should obviously um kind of know where and what you're buying but in this case i do think that there are programs out there that support local communities that you know do harvest this wood sustainably (laughs) and that's really important you know harvesting this wood sustainably means that like it can be used for these purposes and it does smell really good (laughs) really does it smells really great um and so in this case i think if you are you know the best way to know if someone's actually harvesting something sustainably or whether they're just saying that they do so that they can get you to buy it is that they can often tell you where exactly it's coming from like if i were to call your customer service and be like where do you get this from they would be easily be able to be like oh you know the name of this small town that you've probably never heard of but you could google right now and find immediately if someone can't tell you where they're getting their stuff from it's probably not sustainable people who care about the local communities and making sure that their products are sustainable have often visited those communities and often have initiatives kind of like on the ground helping some of those communities. I mean, I read through some like random articles and clicked links and stuff. And there are definitely a couple of companies where, you know, you can see that they make sure that their workers are paid a fair wage and they make sure that, you know, things are going well there and they have initiatives to make sure trees are continuously being planted and not just harvested from. And they, you know, work to make sure that local law allows for those places to be preserved so that these people's jobs can be preserved. And I think all those things can be important for those communities. So this is what where I would say. If you can buy it sustainably, I would recommend it. And what are we going to talk about in our next episode? I've decided for our next episode, we're going to talk about lavender. 
Mm, sounds good. Yeah. Lavender's <laughs> pretty common household uh, herb. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a lot of lavender things in my household. Yeah. It's a good scent. I can't help it. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on our latest episode of Plant Stories. This was Palo Santo, Better Off Dead. And if you want to talk to us, reach out on Facebook or Instagram at Plant Stories. Yeah, and look out this month for our Halloween special. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We're going to talk about how Halloween relates to plants. <laughs> These things are important to me mm -hmm. personally, and therefore you have to hear me talk about them. A little secret. It's her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> and then right after it's my birthday, if you guys needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> like right after. Right after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye.